What's up, everybody? Welcome to the ninth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside the BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. We made it, Matt. We made it to nine drafts, and we still haven't handed it in our final yet. No, we hopefully not for a long time. Hopefully it'll just be in draft form for a very, very long time. Eric, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's, you know, uh, I'm feeling a lot of relief since the last time we podcasted. I, I feel good. I feel, I I feel euphoric, it. if you will. Here's a little behind the scenes. Eric had to poopy during the last episode, <laughs> so we had to split it. Well, all so, that talk about uh, Venom, man. If you, Yeah, it was mid-Venom talk. You had to <laughs> drop that turd to the wind. Um, so it was so funny. If you notice a break in the last episode where it kind of seems like we transitioned from talking about if Spider-Man 3. You'll, I want to tell everyone the exact moment Eric had to relieve himself. Yes. It was an amazing BM. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm glad you're feeling uh, you're feeling good. Feeling uh, great. I'm feeling loose, loosey-goosey. I am almost there still. Uh, man, sometimes a flu just fucking lingers for the longest time, but um, I'm like 90% there, right. 95% there. I, I always almost think I'm better, and then something else fucks me up. I realized this is just weird, but um, – uh, my doctor told me, like, oh, when you're feeling better, throw your toothbrush out and get a new one because right. you don't want to keep infecting yourself with your your scummy toothbrush. And I feel like the last couple call. of days, I'm like, oh shit, I've been using my same toothbrush even though I've been feeling better. I'm like, maybe that's why it's prolonged yeah. this or something like that. So I gotta good go get, tip. Good gotta tip, go dog. get a gotta go get a toothbrush after this. Fun stuff. Um, but no, I'm, I'm doing all right. You know, uh, nothing new since the last episode. Um, yeah, it was so long ago. It was um, so. But this is basically our Halloween episode, so happy Halloween. Oh, spooky. Um, uh, this is right before Halloween when you guys are um, uh, listening and seeing this episode. Um, uh, any Halloween plans? Uh, no, I'm going to sit at home, watch some horror movies, and just remember that I used to go trick-or-treating as a child. Uh, Favorite Halloween candy? Good question. Uh, probably Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Okay. Can't go wrong with peanut butter and chocolate. No, I I was never a huge Reese's Pieces. I liked Reese's Pieces. I think because of ET, I liked Reese's right. Pieces. Um, mine I I mentioned on the last episode, Butterfingers. Um, I love. I also love a good coffee crisp or during Halloween coffin crisp. <laughs> um, that Kit, is good. Kit Kats are good. Yeah, they're they're great. Smarties, which I don't think they have in the U.S. So if those M and M's, they don't have coffee crisp in the U.S. either. No. Um, so a lot of these are just Canadian chocolate that I like. Um, right. They call them scaries during Halloween instead of Smarties. And then arrows are scarrows. <laughs> so anything that has a novelty, tacky Halloween name, big fan. Right. So uh, I I might go get a coffin crisp after this too, and a cherry coke or something. Just fill my body up with garbage <laughs> as it was meant to be yeah well, now, do you like chocolate or candy more what do you what do you mean by candy like a sour patch kid yeah or like yeah a, that's not chocolate anything that's not, <laughs> not chocolate, chocolate. Yeah. okay um uh, this is a weird thing like i never used to be a sweets person like i, I my everyone thought even when i was a kid i thought it was very weird that i i was always a savory or a salty kind of uh, kid that, uh, that i would never like desserts but like potatoes or salty foods or like something like that so I would potato like. chips yeah i would yes i would be a chips guy rather than a, a candy or a chocolate like um so fuck you when i said what would considered candy because chips aren't candy okay right. get those at halloween um so yeah i would always get excited when i would get a bag of doritos or a bag of uh 
Lay's potato chips in my uh, sour cream and onion or something like that. Like in my uh, like one of those like little bag. lunch versions yeah. that you can. Those were hella tight, man. Or yeah. a can of soda. Yeah. Whatever family would give you one of those cans of soda, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I got a can of Coke. I always remember getting great pop. Yes, right? You get that. People would get that mix pack that we have like mug root beer, orange crush, grape soda. You had a grape soda on the bus back I sure the did. It was so, I never commented on it, but I thought it was so weird. I don't know why I thought it was weird, but like, that's where I, I'm, I'm, I'm just done. Like, where it was I'm, like four in the morning and Eric's buying a grape soda. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Uh, so yeah, I hate grape soda. Just so you know, yeah. like, I hate grape flavored anything. And I have many stories of I, me being I like grape flavored things. I don't like grapes. Weird. I like grapes, but I don't like grape flavored things. Um, same goes with a lot of fruit. I like the artificial flavored version. Cherries. Love cherry Coke. Right. Hate I don't like cherries. cherries either. I like oranges. I like bananas. Uh, I think that's about I hate bananas. Banana flavored shit I remember as a kid a lot. Um, I like when they're prepared, like when they're cut up already. Like when like you can just right. like, pick them up. That's in like a... me with apples. I don't yeah. really like biting into an apple, but I like slicing. Slicing is some apples. Yeah. Now we got into fruit. Yeah, almost sounded sinister candy. though. I like slicing some apples. No, um, are you a slasher that slices apples? Yeah, and uh, this chair is fucking bothering me. Um, it was in the last episode too. Yeah, it's creaky for some reason. Um, but it might work for this episode. Yeah, who spooky creaky chair? <laughs> um, but no, I was more a uh, potato chip kid or um, uh, weirdly crackers. Like I loved a triscuit or a saltine. That's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. I, my aunt would call me the cracker kid, and then. I would eat just like crackers. Well, you were by from Oshawa. And then, um, like, with like, sometimes you put peanut butter, just weird things on the cracker cheese a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, I like Ritz, though. Um, see, like, where Ritz weren't like that buttery Ritz cracker was never in my repertoire of uh, of crackers. It would be like those plain ass saltines you would put in soup. Right. Or Triscuits. Like the friggin' dry ass Triscuits. What Triscuit? Here, I want to give a shout out to Triscuits right now. Uh, modern day Triscuits, way better than the Triscuits of the '90s or early 2000s. Oh, those ones taste like sawdust. Um, the old ones. The yeah. old ones, which I, which is I'm most familiar or with. Weetabix. Do you remember um, Weetabix? No. <laughs> Triscuits, man. We were a Triscuits family. Uh, and <laughs> oh, that Weetabix. My, my mom shit for would me. buy like the low salt Triscuits that were just fucking dry and would taste like nothing, but I would like them. And now they have like delicious ass Triscuits that have like almost like potato chip flavors. You get like a nice olive oil and black pepper Triscuit. Right. Fucking shit's good, man. Um, I like how this is when you know we're old, where we uh, transition from talking about Halloween candy into olive oil and black pepper Triscuits. <laughs> so going to give those to kids trick-or-treating yeah. this year. Hopefully they have some snack-sized bags of Triscuits. Um, but no, I was either potato chips or when we would get soda. You'd know the houses that were giving full cans of soda. Who were the people that gave money? Like like what? like pennies and stuff like that. You never no. had that. What the hell kind of neighborhood were you living in? Pennies? <laughs> yeah. Like a roll of pennies? Yeah. Or like, or like just like, fucking they, threw a couple of pennies at you. They had like a like a bowl of pennies. <laughs> what? This was a real thing. Yes. That's weird, man. I just remember the houses that would give you the full size chocolate bars. Like you would get like not the fucking dinky bars, but like the uh, <laughs> the full fucking hog bars, man. right? Yeah. So those were the. Or the I always hated it where like I I remember there was one year where where Kyle went up and he was really Kyle young, being your brother. My, my brother, yes. For context, uh, he went up to uh, a door and he got something. 
because he looked so cute and innocent and nobody else did. But it was like one of those things where it's like, oh, you jerk. So I love what, they gave special well. treatment to your yeah, brother? Yeah, they, someone someone did once. That's creepy, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, I like that <laughs> one. You get, the, you get the full-size bar. <laughs> rockets as well. I love rockets. Yeah, see, rockets were one of those things that I feel like I would only eat on Halloween. Same. Thoughts on candy corn? Don't like it. No? No. I always. I mean, I, I never had it that much. I never realized that that's what a kernel of corn would look but like remember, if you remember it, it of... there was like the... Um, like the not the gushers, but there was ones that were like mini root beer candies that kind of yeah. looked like them. Yeah. I like those. The cola gummies. Yes, those, are, do- those yeah. are dope. Yeah, um, cherry cola gummies, great. And the fun dip. I always like fun. Yeah, dip. Yeah, fun dip was always good. Um, ring pops. They're um, okay. Reminds me of something else as an adult now, so I don't really like. <laughs> Anyways, Halloween candy. Halloween's coming up. Uh, watching some horror stuff. We talked about Haunting of Hill House last week. Um, I still got to watch the rest of that, so um, we'll pick that up maybe later. But um, when it comes to horror movies, I haven't been watching that much because I've been so busy watching Hill House. Or I, I have Hereditary in 4K, so I would like to... Uh, that and Shutter Island, I want to try because I also picked that up in 4K. Um, right. So I want to watch. When you those. say you picked it up, you I mean digitally yeah. purchased it on iTunes for a very cheap amount of money. Yes. Um, but still looks great, man. Um, I I kid you not, it looks just almost as good as you would probably get from um, physical media. Because I even tried to do my research of uh, professional people who uh, review this stuff online of comparing a 4k blu-ray player to the apple tv 4k and apple tv 4k i mean for the price that you pay for that you get dolby vision and dolby atmos which is like you only get the in the most high-end 4k blu-ray players right um where do you go usually for your for your stuff in terms of just like information uh digital bits or blu-ray yeah or (laughs) blu-ray.com even for uh, even if you're getting stuff on digital i still frequent those websites because they have good information on um street dates and and what's coming out and for me even i like to keep an eye on um what's coming out on 4k physical right because i'll know what's probably will get upgraded to 4k and dolby vision on on uh iTunes, although weird things like Halloween, I've been waiting for it to transition to the 4K, and it hasn't yet. Right, and um, but you can get it on physical. On physical, yeah, yeah. and so it's, and we should also mention that we we want to include in future episodes now our drafts, yeah, uh, recommendations for either physical media or stuff that's streaming online that you can download and purchase. I would very much think that um, we always introduce new segments that we never like. We did the trailer one one week, and then we haven't gotten back to it because I feel. Like our structure's been, I mean, that's the point of it being called the Untitled Movie Podcast too. It was just being like, um, it, it changes, and, and we're working workshop in this thing. And I think finally we will get a structure and a and a time that we um, uh, get down pat. But I, I like the kind of free form conversation we have, and when we have something to talk about, we'll talk about it. And um, when we're talking about other things, we're talking about other things. So right. yeah, I would like to talk about physical media or even digital media and, and just what's coming out on home video, the old uh, saying. Yeah. I, I used to remember those Disney ones but, but in front of, uh, I don't know, coming soon. Right. And, like it would show you all the things coming out. Lion King's coming out on 4K. Yes. I can't wait to actually see that. Um, and uh, yeah. And man. there's a lot of good stuff for 
for Halloween. I mean, I mean, we'd mention Halloween is available on physical media for uh, through Lionsgate uh, Films, and it's a really great transfer. Um, there's also Evil Dead, which is uh, released. What's kind of frustrating though is that Evil Dead Two was just announced for 4K, but it's not coming out until December. Yeah. Um, the other movie that uh, I would recommend just for this month, anyways, or it's getting a, a new release, is um, through Scream Factory, which is Creep Show, mm-hmm. which is an anthology uh, series written by Stephen King and directed by George A. Romero, um, and it's sort of their tribute to. Uh, is that that weird skeleton dude? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's sort of their tribute to EC Comics. What was his name? I I can't remember. I remember being like fascinated or terrified of that guy when I was well there's a kid. there's two movies and he's always kind isn't of isn't he like campy and always has says one-liners are, or he becomes are you talking about the crypt keeper yeah crypt keeper no this isn't the crypt keeper but creep show but has kind of, sorry yeah it's kind of but like they that. have something like that too. yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll as we're talking i'll, I'll no it's okay it sorry you. i got yeah sorry um, yeah the crypt keeper that's yeah and so this was this was released in 82 sure. crypt keeper had like an hbo show and stuff too, yeah well there was they? also an original movie from the late 1960s is called Tales from the Crypt, which had a crypt keeper but wasn't a skeleton. Um, and then in the 80s, Robert Zemeckis was an executive producer and creator of Tales from the Crypt, which had the crypt keeper. And then okay. they spawned off the okay. two movies, which was Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. Yes. Demon Knight's a lot of fun with Billy Zane's best performance as this kind of like cowboy seductive demon. Um, at Bordello Sorry, of Blood is not great. Up. Okay, I was getting the mixed um, up. So this yeah. is Creep Show. Creep Show, yes. Yeah, okay. So Creep Show is an anthology series that is based on Stephen King and George A. Romero's love of EC Comics, which was basically a panel of horror-based stories, and some of them are better than others. In the first movie, the one that really is is the best is one called To Tide You Over, which has Leslie Nielsen as the main villain. And this is pre-Ted Danson uh, Cheers as a man who's having an affair with Leslie Nielsen's wife, and so he buries both Les, uh, Ted Danson and um, uh, the, the wife into uh, the sand, and they drown, and they come back as zombies. Fun. So, and then there's one called The Crate with Hal Holbrook, which is okay, and then one with Stephen King, which is an homage to The Blob, uh, where he discovers a meteor and touches it and starts to have this uh, kind of algae green fungus uh, grow on his arm. This chair is fucking yeah. driving me nuts. Uh, I'll have to check it out. I haven't... Um... Meteor shit. That's, that's one of Stephen <laughs> King's right. lines. Sick. Um, yeah, recommendations from me. I don't know. I, I like watching Cabin in the Woods every year. Mm. <laughs> and um, Halloween, obviously. And uh... So are those your go-to every year? Um, yeah, I mean, I watch Halloween, I think, every year. And I can't wait to kind of pair that up with the, the new Halloween and watch and make that an annual thing. What was I thinking of the other day where I'm like, oh, I watch this every year? I think that was just all the Star Wars movies, but that's not a Halloween thing. One that you haven't, I don't think, watched yet that I watch every year is uh, Fright Night. Yeah, I bought it last year because you recommended it. And you gave me a giant list this year, and I just haven't had the time to kind of get around to any of it. But um, I always love watching horror content in 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 october but i think haunting of hill house and i'm just so slow when it comes to tv where i'll watch one episode a night or something like that or one every other night so that's been taking up a lot of our 
horror time, I right. guess, where usually Nevis and I in previous years would watch a movie every other night, maybe a Halloween movie or a, or a horror movie. But I wanted to show her Hereditary and um, some more kind of modern stuff as well that she hadn't seen yet. But I don't know. I've been kind of slacking other than Hill House. Um, all right, let's. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Rocky Four. Yeah, we're going to give you a review of Suspiria um, to keep into the Halloween spirit, and then also another genre movie we're going to give our impressions of, which is uh, we checked out the Toronto After Dark um, screening of uh, Overlord. Um, so we're going to kind of give our impressions on that as well. Um, but again, I, I don't know if I even did the intro, but uh, as you guys know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. You can find us each and every week at uh, Mondays at 9 a.m. on podcast services everywhere, including uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Play, and um, wherever you want to listen. Yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us. So, uh, Eric, where do you want to kick it off? you want to get into Rocky Four? I think we should get into Rocky Four, the this greatest Rocky movie ever. This driving me nuts. I think He's going to change Don't his chairs. Tell people, um, we're reviewing a Rocky movie every week. Yes, leading up to the release of Creed 2, which opens uh, on the Wednesday of the American Thanksgiving. And so we have so far reviewed Rockies 1 through 3. Rocky 4 is in dead set in the 80s. It is literally the MTV version of Rocky where he has become... Um, not the underdog anymore, but a sensation, a champion. People love and adore him. He's rich. Uh, his family lives in a mansion. Apparently, there are robots in this in this oh world. Oh my god! What the hell? <laughs> so the idea in this one is that Rocky, you know, is living comfortably with his family in Philly, and now at this point, um, you know, it's kind of him just enjoying life, indulging in his victories and his winnings and and you know the opening sequence has uh, uh Polly's birthday and for a gift they give uh him this talking robot that kind of looks like um well, I mean a very 80s robot it's insectoid like, it has like these kind yeah. of like like yeah. big eyes and it reminds me of if anyone's a video game fan of Rob the robot yeah. which came with the original Nintendo which we saw at the Nintendo store in um in New York City um, it kind of looks like Rob the Robot, and if you ever played the last couple Smash Brothers games, Rob's also in that. Well, Vince DiCola's score in this movie is amazing as well, especially with that robot scene when they bring it in. Happy birthday, Polly! Yeah, it's. <laughs> I I remember texting you, going, "What the fuck is happening?" What's well, even more weird when he changes the voice to so, a female. Yeah, voice. it's like creepy, and it brings in beer and stuff like that, and like, uh, I was just like, "What is?" What have these become? This first movie won Best Picture. Right. Well, <laughs> it's not it lit- that this is bad. It's just very. I love it, there. and I love yeah. it because it, it. This is the film where I always say to people, if you want to know what like the '80s was on crack, this is the perfect time capsule to watch and sort of see what you know 1986. Uh, you know, lifestyles were like in, in the Cold War. I mean, this that seems to be the overarching uh, uh, conflict in this one where you have uh, an exhibition match, which was to bring back Apollo Creed to sort of have his comeback. Suffice it to say, it does not go well. He uh, sadly uh, dies, but not before James Brown sings uh, Living in America. Yeah, it's just <laughs> so over the top, and it's it's... I mean, I love it. I had a blast watching yeah. it too. Don't get me wrong. And um, 
seeing Apollo kind of get mad at this this random Russian dude that just wants to enter. It's Russia wants to put its uh, stamp on professional boxing because they only had amateur boxing, I guess, in Russia. Right. Um, and it, it was just so ridiculous. And then, yeah, James Brown comes out and it's this, the ring comes up from under the floor and uh, the Living in America starts playing too. And um, oh god, like, it becomes so a much. circus. It like is, it, yeah. it's, it's this is so far removed from Rocky, and it's amazing to me that it is still in the Rocky timeline. And even stranger that it's also still connected to Creed. Like yeah. you watch this, and then you think, well, about, this is like, the motivating factor for of Creed Two. Creed Two. Yeah, and and you're like, oh my god, like this is in the same universe and this is the same storyline it is a much different time and the 80s were a little bit like that even if this was heightened yeah and um and then yeah unfortunately apollo um dies yeah he didn't throw in the towel i just remember that shot of of tony uh, uh, apollo's trainer being like throw in the towel (laughs) yeah and it's an exhibition match too and this is this is again this is the motivation that rocky needs to get into the ring and you have to get behind him just as rocky 2 was a remake of rocky 1 and rocky 3 was a remake of rocky 1 and 2 rocky 4 is a remake of rocky 3 although rocky rocky 4 does feel like it is its own thing its or? own thing in in the sense that it's again like this weird collage of uh history in the reagan era of of you know cold war exploitation and the red scare coming back and the idea that you know nuclear war is upon us and um our we could all die any day i mean that's a line in, in a prince song and so you we might as well you know live for the moment and be hedonistic as much as possible and that's what this movie is it's it's self-indulgent self-serving um, over the top, ridiculous. I mean, as soon as Apollo dies in Rocky's arms, he Rocky goes to uh, Siberia. Siberia. <laughs> well, he he gets in the car and he's he's about to go to oh, the, that the drive, airport. Sorry, yeah. And the drive, but the drive literally becomes a music video montage for they even show footage from the fourth <laughs> film recycled yeah. in it again to uh, the song "No Easy Way Out," and yeah. it's amazing. It's like a me. ten minute long <laughs> driving sequence where I've never seen something. So angsty, <laughs> just Rocky's angry face, and just yeah, it's just like footage popping up in the corner of everything that's yeah. happened over the last three films and some of four. Yeah, um, that's the best part. Where it's like we already we just saw that like five seconds ago. I think I texted you too, going, "What the fuck is happening?" Like it's just like he storms out of the house and he just starts driving, and I'm like, "Is he driving to Russia?" Is that yeah. like, is that what, it's like he just goes in under. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a fucking robot in this movie if he just fucking goes underwater and his like <laughs> car turns into a submarine it would or be better if he teleported there because yeah. I, it feels like that's where we're we're going with how ridiculous this movie is um but after his drive he realizes he needs to fight ivan drago yeah yeah that he needs and, to go into the ring with this machine this 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 russian robot that kind of i mean like I feel that if they had made the Batman movies in the 80s, that Dolph Lundgren would have been the perfect Bane in a, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Although it's funny because I was reading, um, you know, as you normally do factoids about the film, in the entire running time of th- this movie, Lundgren only has nine lines in total. Nine words or lines? Sentences. Like, full sentences. <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, most of them are iconic, but... 
Stallone specifically said, okay, like your strength is in your appearance because he's a very intimidating. Just what they said about Arnold earlier. Yeah. But I think Arnold kind of weirdly grew into some kind of charisma where Dolph Lundgren never really did, even though they tried to kind of market him as a movie star afterwards with Masters of the Universe and The Punisher, the original 80s one, and it just never really yeah, worked. Yeah, this movie made him a star, too. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 like, you know, he has lines that I will break you and stuff like that, and, and it, it works. Like, I think he is kind of a, a probably the best villain in these movies. Well, he's got the like Brock Lesnar thing going on, too, yeah. right? Where you ha- you don't have to do any of the talking because you're a, a freak of nature and a monster, right? Yeah, you just have Bridget Nielsen do the talking yes. for him. And Bridget Nielsen at Sorry, this... Sorry, more like Lana and Rusev. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that is perfect. That is literally the, the perfect... Although she's not from Florida. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then Bridget Nielsen at the time was also dating Stallone, or they were married, I think, at this right. point, um, which was kind of interesting as well. Um, but so... Rocky goes to Russia and trains in this It's basically cabin. the Philly montage. Yeah, yeah. Philly training but montage, in, but in a but cabin in, Russian, in Siberia. Yeah, and then he grows this... I don't know. It's not a real period. It can't I, be I, a real period. So, no. <laughs> but I love how it's juxtaposed. So it's like he's training out in the woods. He's doing it, you know, naturally. And then they have, like, shots of Drago being, like, injected with steroids. And, like, machines are telling, like, how strong his punch is. And yeah. it's just like... And then Hearts on Fire plays. Hearts on Fire. Souls <laughs> Desire. And then it's just Rocky fucking climbing a mountain. It's yeah. just like the stairs in Philly, but he's climbing a Matt, fucking mountain. I have never been more turned on <laughs> yeah. by a movie. Just um, fully erect. Yeah, it is, it is It is. a masterwork of just, like, again, like, I feel like it is the perfect music video movie. It's an MTV film. And mm-hmm. when he has that fight at the end, um, and again, spoiler alert, Rocky wins. <laughs> And he has that conversation, or he has that, it's like that huge monologue to everybody in the crowd. It's like, when I first got here, you didn't like me and I didn't like yous. But we could come come together. Yeah, and then it's like, and it's like, I feel like there should have been like this historic moment where it's like, and that's how the Cold War ended. You just have Rocky. The, the presidents like shaking each other's hands. And, like, Rocky. Like a Rocky. newspaper twirls into yeah. the center of the Mr. Screen. Gorbachev, like, tear down these walls, and then Rocky was the one that. Now, boy, saves the Cold War! <laughs> <laughs> just like on a newspaper even even the gloves like hitting yeah. each other and exploding yeah it's so <laughs> stupid but like i enjoy i i i had the most fun with this since the original yeah I this is say. one of my favorite rocky movies but it's also just one of my favorite 80s movies yeah i'm with you um mm. it's just so ridiculous and over the top and and again like i love that one montage of him driving in the car <laughs> it's just just fully ridiculous yeah i uh i enjoyed the the shit out of rocky four i mean i don't have much more to say it's it's hard when you you go over these movies because again they are very similar right with certain funny things that you can pull out from each one and and or, or reference um, i mean it sucks that they they have to keep killing like the coach or mentor well that's what i mean each like, one i'm surprised to... Ro- like it's, we haven't got to creed yet but everyone thought rocky was gonna die in that movie right, right? and then uh um I mean, I hope they don't do something like that in Creed 2. Right. Like, Drago just comes over and, like, snaps Rocky's neck. Or he, or or he dies, like, in Rocky 3, where, like, nobody's taking him to a hospital. Yeah, like, a locker imagine room. that happens in 2018, and uh, Adonis is just like, uh, Rock, stay here while I go fight him. Um, I'll be back. Yeah, so... No, I, I, I'm glad where we are now in the Rocky franchise, right. or the Creed franchise now, um, uh, taking it a bit more seriously, but I do... 
Can you take me higher? Uh, I do like the kind of ridiculousness of Rocky Four. Yeah. Well, if you um, think about it, like, wouldn't like by the time we get to Rocky Balboa or or Creed, like robots be like regular <clears throat> citizens at this time? Like, like right? Like it, we've gotten to that. But point But I think now. that was more so of just like uh like rich people could afford right. these weird robots, right? Because you've seen them in other things too, even though they were very um. Poorly designed and made, but it was like, Ooh, right. you're rich. You have a servant robot, but yeah. Um, and then also continuity-wise, I'd say like for the most part, the casting remains intact, but the, with the exception of the son, the son is always played by a different actor. Every movie, a different yeah. actor, right? Yeah, because he gets slightly older, but they don't like. I don't know. Yeah, and there's like one where like he's just like a little like he's he's barely. I think it's three where he's like barely in it, and he's kind of like just pushed to the side and. Yeah, so every one of those movies, he's always played by. Who different plays people. him in Balboa? Oh, it's um, uh, Milo, Milo, the guy from uh, This Is Us and Heroes. Right. Milo Vlevojevic. Yes, that guy. Um, yeah, uh, and then it, he's not in Creed or anything, right? No, there was a photo of him though with right. with Rocky or no, his family okay. that he has. Yeah, that we'll get there. Mentioned. But um, yeah. but they still reference him, which I think is nice because they could have just not <clears throat> done that because it's important that like. At that point in in the Rocky movies, when we get to Balboa and, and Creed, I mean, Rocky really doesn't have many people left in his life. Yeah, it's true. Uh, enjoyed it. I think it is, out of the ones we've watched, slightly, I mean, obviously not as good as Rocky, but um, but I enjoyed it the most uh, comparatively to yeah. 2 and 3. For, for me, like in terms of rankings right now, it's Rocky yeah. and Rocky 4. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And then you get 2 and 3 thrown in there, too. So, yeah. uh, totally agree. All right, next week we will be back to review. We're going to double up next week, right? Yeah. So we're going to uh, talk about Rocky Five a little bit, God. unfortunately. And then we're going to talk about uh, Rocky Balboa, which I'm actually um, excited to rewatch because we're getting to the point where I actually remember watching them. Yeah, or, or seeing this in the theater. In the theater, yeah. Because I think Rocky Balboa was the first version I saw in the theater. Oh, totally, yeah. There's no way I would have seen any of the yeah. other ones unless um, – um, we travel back in time. Yeah, or some theater was was doing a retrospective. But uh, yes, I, I vividly remember going to see Rocky Balboa on opening night, and I'm excited to kind of go back and, and, and see if it holds up. Because right. uh, have you watched it since 2006? Yeah, I, probably like – I think I watched it again around when Grudge Match was being released just to remember that, oh, it's like, oh, Stallone was in a, a really great boxing franchise. and Because I remember thinking to myself when Rocky Balboa was announced and it was – in production like oh great like this is literally him going back to the well because he has nothing else and he left. directed it too right yeah. yeah um and and stallone directed uh rocky four so stallone has directed two three four uh john g adelson has directed uh five. five yeah um but with with balboa i was saying okay yeah like this is literally you know like he's become a parody of himself at this point but then watching the movie i was like no this is like a really perfect bookend to his story and his saga and and what it means to be the underdog again and to be a hero and and again just go the distance and then dealing with age a bit too and getting yeah and losing and people that you love i mean yeah. like it, it's not really a spoiler but you know adrian does pass away 
and before in between, parts, in between yeah. five and and six, and you know how that affects Rocky is 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 huge, and all he has left at that point is is Polly, and sometimes he sees Tony, and there are characters that pop up from the other films briefly, but you know family wise, his core family was was Adrian, Polly, and 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 Mickey, mm-hmm. yeah. and Apollo. So you know, yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to kind of go back and rewatch those. So we'll cover five and um, Rocky Balboa next week. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, let's talk about some uh, reviews of the week. So uh, as we mentioned before, hey how, Matt, how... there's a movie that's been on my mind. Um, I think about it all the time. Suspiria. <laughs> uh, it's Halloween week, and we did get to see Suspiria. Yes. So uh, let's kick it off there, and. Um, I'm sure we have uh, many things to talk about. You know what? It's a film that I keep grappling with because Luca Guadagnino, for me, is a filmmaker that I, I think continues to raise the bar. Um, I think stylistically he's an interesting filmmaker. Um, the way that he kind of uses the camera to sort of project a point of view. Like, I, There's one sequence I always talk about in A Bigger Splash when... Tilda Swinton and Matthias Schoenhartz walk into an airport to pick up Ray Fiennes, it looks like there was something wrong with the lens. Like, it's darker when they enter the um, the airport, but what it actually is is you're seeing it through the sunglasses, the sunglasses right. of Matthias Schoenhardt, and then <clears throat> he has them taken off, and then you see it back to the regular lighting again. And things like that, I think, are really clever and really smart. And then <clears throat> with you're Call Me By Your Name... legit getting a POV. Yeah, yeah. And then with Call Me By Your Name... Um, I thought was very emotional and very powerfully wrought yeah. and had... you could feel that come in the peach. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if you want to put it that way in a very derogatory <laughs> sense, why not? Uh, but the thing that Luca Guadagnino does better than I think most filmmakers now is he puts you in a place and time in a, in a way that you have a sensory of it, that it's, it's vivid. Like you can understand where you are, when you are and you can feel it you can smell it you can it, it feels like you're actually there i know you're laughing again because it's you're thinking of the peach but <laughs> sorry i'm just joking but you you really feel like he he understands location i get what you're saying yeah yeah Suspiria, which is a remake of one of the best horror films of the late 1970s by Dario Argento which is a technicolor terror um is a perfect lean mean piece of filmmaking that didn't need to be a three-hour gore fest that is also a psychological drama that opens it up to east and west berlin being divided at the time and tilda swinton playing two characters there are moments in the movie that i can see working that have sort of to do almost like with a nicholas rogan type kind of don't look now vibe to it but the ultimate um sequence of the movie the 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 build-up to it or where we end up is almost more campy than it is um terrifying and it's just kind of overall more of a disappointment than anything else for me but at the same time there are a couple moments that are visually strong but i think they're almost kind of you know we were talking about the rocky movie with montages the way that he sort of uses dreams to kind of create a fluid yeah translucent meditation on on what i almost wanted be more of that yeah like, and not that you need to be bombarded with that throughout the whole movie but i do like a few sequences there that i think are are creative and interesting and 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 really cool to look at but then 
I mean, yeah, I think it's an hour too long. Right. Um, I think it's self-indulgent and uh, and silly, and um, I don't think there's anything particularly eerie or 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 it's weird. And the last act is almost insane enough. To, like you said, it's campy, but it's almost so fucking out there that it's almost worth the price of the two hours. It's definitely it, gonzo, but, like, but it's not. Like again, I always <clears> found that. It's laughable. I agree. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm a hundred percent with you, and I, I'm with you. I didn't. I. I was more disappointed than anything because I was actually. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of Luca Guadagnino. Like I. I. I think I was fine with a bigger splash, and I was somewhat disappointed with Call Me by Your Name. Although I still think it's a decent movie. I. I, I thought I'm more on the problematic side of of that relationship and um, not fully buying into it. Um, uh, and, but I do agree with you with the way he, um, shoots his films and, and the style and the, and the feel of them is very authentic. And I did feel like it was 1980 something and it's in, dreary, in, it's overcast. In, it's always raining or sorry, snowing. I mean, and call me by your name. Oh, but yeah. like, and even in this, I yeah. did really feel the location and the, and it does have that kind of bleak kind of yellowish I don't know, just like kind of or uh, gray, like gray, it's always gray. gray. Yeah, it's gray. always like I, I feel like the, what makes the original Suspiria work so well is that it focuses on isolation and passion and what you're willing to do for those things to be the best at what you love and what you're willing to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And this movie kind of hits you on the head over and over and over again, and it never sinks its hooks into you the way that it wants to. Yeah, and I feel like it takes way too long to get to an interesting place. I feel like there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in there. Like, again, I do not like Tilda Swinton in the dual roles. Um, I like her as Madame Blanc, but I don't like her as um uh the 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 Comple- psychologist completely agree and i also feel that like chloe grace moretz in the opening sequence isn't needed at all and there's a lot of historical context with the time like they're 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 addressing you know in the radio and in the news broadcasts the the rfa and and what's going on there with the the terrorist attacks and stuff like that and it just feels almost inconsequential it's to the rest of the movie. It's just showing you the time period, and I'm like, I feel which like, makes it longer. Sure, and then like the whole subplot with the psychiatrist, I just felt like I get he's your your way in, or he's the audience, right. or 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 um, trying to find out what's going on at this ballet school, and like, um, well, it's also it's um, also a deliberate choice yeah. in terms of casting Tilda Swinton in the male role because it is commenting on the the male characters because the only male character that's been added to this is this character, but it's being yeah. played by by a, one of the most iconic uh, actresses working today. Yeah, so. and I just didn't really like any of that. I just felt like it padded the length and felt kind of, it could have been tighter and more interesting maybe if you, you did kind of get it under two hours. Right. Um, I, um, <clears throat> I do think it kind of gets really silly and, um, and, way too out there to the point where it is laughable to your point and in the end although it is so batshit that like it's it's almost interesting right but for um, the people that dismissed mother like it made me appreciate that more where that last act has chaos but the chaos has purpose to it it there there's reasons for everything going completely um, out of control and, yeah. and 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 losing your mind in a situation like that and and 
this doesn't feel like it really earns that, even though visually speaking, they do go with a lot of gusto in that final sequence. But it's just again, like I, I didn't never like felt... a lot of the CG blood that no, was in that no. scene, and um, I thought some of the practical effects weren't super great. Like um, it, whether it was Tilda Swinton's makeup on. Um, the old man or um, the Mad Max. I mean, that's looking. never going to look great no matter what I you know, do. I know, but that's why I don't do that. Right. Just fucking, I hate it. I hate it when it was done in... Pre- Although Glenn Close did a good job with that in Hook. <sighs> I just, I never like that. I mean, I'm always someone who would choose practical effects over de-aging digitally or, or, or things like that. But then I'm, I'm also a step away from that is just cast someone else. Right. And like, um, I just don't. Uh, I just don't get it, and I think it's distracting. Um, and and there's some lines of dialogue that I think are funny that play again, kind of campy. Like Dakota Johnson has a line. It's like when she has the first kind of training sequence when they're when they're learning uh, the the Vok dance, and and she's like, it's like it felt like the uh, like how I wanted to fuck, and you're just like, oh yeah, some there was a yeah, some people laughing at that. Yeah, it was some of it's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's very over the top, and and I almost wish that it was like that throughout the entire movie, because tonally it's also trying to still be creepy. That's what and I was weird. gonna say. It takes itself too seriously. And and I feel too. also that Luca Guadagnino, it sometimes gets away from him. Like he doesn't really know what direction to take the horror aspects of it, other than to sort of you know place it in a setting that, again, it's psychologically disturbing. But he wants you to question whether or not it's reality or it's all in the character's mindset because of the pressures and the stress and being far from home and in a country that's in uh, turmoil at the time and the dictatorship. So there's there's an interesting kind of setup to it. But I think what offended me overall is that that movie did not need to be nearly three hours long. That's the biggest offense of the thing, and I feel like I wouldn't be so upset or or dislike it as much if you cut if you trimmed some of the fat and just weren't so self-indulgent in the sense of like no this i want to make this two and a half hour art house horror movie (laughs) right and i was like dude just like i don't know like so much of it just felt so unnecessary and it takes so long to get going and like i just and it none of it was interesting enough to be like oh this is worthwhile keeping in here and like uh, i do I mean, we talked a bit about this off off air of being like, I like that first sequence that is quite disturbing of um, of the one woman who gets turned into a pretzel, basically. Yes. And yeah. um, I and how it's juxtaposed to mm-hmm. Dakota Johnson's Susie kind of giving this great performance for the first time in front of people that she isn't really acquainted with yet. Yeah, and I think that's quite disturbing and yeah. how graphic that is. And, and, um, but I just don't feel like it really get, ever gets back there. Like, it gets goofier and goofier as it kind of goes along. And, um, and it either gets goofier or then takes itself too seriously. And then right. It's just this weird tonal kind of all over the it place. It made me want to rewatch Rosemary's Baby again. Like, yeah. in terms of, like, you know, the, 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 the coven, the society of witches, yeah. you know, harboring in this one location in this apartment, and again, you're not sure what's going on at first, and then when you figure it out, it, it's um, it's still creepy, but it's also kind of campy, but it embraces both perfectly, and it's a hard act to sort of balance. But at the same time, you know, if he's trying to indulge in that, he should have 
been able to sort of walk that fine line and he do, and he doesn't as a filmmaker uh, Guadagnino and and it's just again it's a disappointment in terms of you know a, a a really interesting filmmaker dabbling in horror for the first time and and he just doesn't I don't think has the confidence to really pull it off yeah for me I kept thinking about Black Swan and how I'd rather be watching that yeah well that was also speaking. one of Darren Aronofsky's main inspirations yeah for, for that I don't film. doubt it at all and um I mean, I'm a huge. I mean, we keep bringing up. We brought up Mother, and we're bringing up Black Swan, but um, and also I, David Cronenberg movies with body horror and yeah. sort of how the body is kind of manipulated in certain ways. I to think that's when the movie be works beautiful best. and grotesque. At yeah, the same time. and I feel like that's when the movie is at its at its best. And yeah. then that last act where people's heads are just exploding and there's chest vaginas and and uh, just weird Mad Max looking motherfuckers and just like. I don't know. It yeah. was just... I'm not it almost sure. remind me of Hellraiser a little bit yeah, as well. Yeah, you were mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was I, I was, I was, actually quite looking forward to it because it did look weird. And, and it and, didn't play TIFF. And, yeah. Because it, it only played Venice. And Fantastic Fest. Fest yeah. And then... Um, and I'm usually... Dude, we had some interesting title cards and like... And it's chapter-based. Chapter-based. All that shit that usually um, gets me going. But like, I just was like, oh no. Like, it, I felt like even the chapter-based storytelling was unnecessary. Like, it kind of just... It was just act one, act two, act three, act four, act five. And it just led into the next scene. And it sure, you had like a... A title of like what that act yeah. was so called. Yeah, so it's six. But... It's six chapters and an mm-hmm. epilogue, and yeah. yeah, it doesn't. do It's pretty anything. linear in the sense where you didn't really need no to tell it. In There's some chapters. flashbacks to memory and 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 moments that are sort of to give you. Sure. A, a sense of some of the character stuff, um, and there's a cameo by um, one of the original actors in it as well uh, from the first film, uh, Jessica Harper. But yeah, it. it... It's, to me, like, it just feels like I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm mostly disappointed by it. But if you have not seen the original Suspiria, last year it got a 4K release. And did it? it? It did. And it is one of the nicest transfers I've seen on any movie so far released on 4K. I'll have to watch it because I feel like I still... Yeah. So if you watch this movie before watching Suspiria, don't discard the original film still seek that out because it is worth experiencing and it will kind of set you off in a kind of way that you know the best horror movies do and again like i think it speaks more to isolation and the human body and you know female empowerment more so than this film really does fair Uh, yeah i gotta definitely check it out so yeah for me it would be a uh, skip it probably yeah. and I, male I, fragility as well because like again like it's it's very specific on sort of like looking at men as mm-hmm. you know it's almost like the wicker man where it's like it's uh, or the neil labute version where you know uh men are just you know uh people to sort of harvest children or something like that right. and well, it's, and it's that, just, there's a one sequence with a police officer and yeah it's like, yeah it's kind of um interesting or disturbing um yeah it's a skip for me i would just say it's too long like yeah. I, I mean if you're interested um i'd say wait maybe for stream a, it uh, yeah something like that like i just 
I can't really suggest it. No, I can't. I mean, I can't suggest it for the theater, but I can say that if you're curious about it as like a horror completist or a fan of Suspiria, rent it maybe when it's yeah. on demand. But or this, like, I look at remakes like The Thing and The Fly and Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978, um, and those are the kind of remakes of horror movies that open up the concept but also allow the filmmakers to create their own style and their own influence and bring something new to the table where Suspiria is basically, the, the Luca Guadagnino one, is basically the same film with the exception of it's just more historically grounded in the time in which it's set. And because of that, I think that hurts because kind of what I love about the original is that it's very much stylized and it's psychedelic and it's weird like some people will argue whether or not it's a giallo film because the you know late 60s early 70s is when that period of italian cinema was being made and you had like bay of blood and mario bava movies and 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 dario argento as well was a part of that um but here it just kind of feels like all the color and flair has been sucked out of it all right. Um, yeah, Suspiria releases uh, uh, November second in limited limited correct? release in yes. Toronto, yeah. and then it'll expand um, on the yes. 9th. It'll open up. Oh god! In like weeks a, to like come. a chest vagina. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, if you want to check it out, by all means. But I would suggest that you maybe wait and uh, rent it if you're curious. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be in theaters long. No. But it is very divisive. Like some people do really love it, though, as well. So go hey, figure. Yeah. You know? So if you if you are curious, maybe don't listen to us and yeah. go see it. So I mean, I, we we were on the opposite end last year with Mother. You know, yeah. a lot of people did not like that movie, but we found it to be absolutely fascinating. And the more you dissect it and look at it, it's it's a great allegory. Agreed. Um, all right, moving on to uh, our next film, which we saw at the Toronto After Dark Film Festival. We're just going to briefly kind of give you guys our impressions on uh, Julius Avery's Overlord. Yes. Uh, Bad Robot production. Their um, first R-rated movie. Yes. Um, produced by J.J. Abrams, which is a uh, World War II... Men on um, a mission, behind enemy lines. You have this airborne... Um, group squad squadron that's shot down into France into France and there's only a few of them left and they kind of have to come together one of which is played by uh, Joven Adepo from Fences and he also had a small role in uh, in Mother uh, and then also you have uh, Kurt Russell's son uh, Wyatt Russell as a uh, corporal who has just been transferred over into their division having spent time in Italy and you can tell that like you know, he's had experiences that have traumatized him and he's probably suffering from some sort of PTSD, but he's also very much um, goal-oriented or driven that he needs to get this mission done, which the mission is to knock out this radio tower. Um, and what the movie becomes uh, is kind of a horror-zombie mashup of sorts. Although I wouldn't even necessarily say that they're zombies, but it's experimenting no, with... No, it's like, I mean, we've always... Uh, everyone knows that this is a real thing, that the Nazis were experimenting with some weird kind of technology and drugs and different things like yeah. that. So basically the movie takes but that... But it was mostly used and, for torture against, you know, Jewish men sure, and women. Sure, but they were and, all... Yeah, I agree, but, like, there was also all those kind of, you know, the conspiracy theory rumor kind of things right. that they were experimenting because Hitler wanted this kind of... Which we've seen in Captain America and other things, that he wanted this super race, right? right. That, like, so he would experiment An on, Aryan army. Yes, and yeah. he would experiment on... 
people and there was always like this supernatural kind of element that people would talk about which you've seen in yes like i mentioned captain america in uh wolfenstein which is a video game series which seems Um, to very much lend uh, to, to this, this where yeah. if this movie was called Wolfenstein and was an adaptation of it would that, be the best video game movie ever made a hundred percent and and that's telling of what my thoughts are on the movie like I actually I know we're a little split on this right. but I know you did you you still enjoyed the movie but I really 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 liked it and to the point where I was surprised at how much I liked it like I don't know if my expectations were low but I was excited to kind of um, see it and I know we're kind of on the opposite sides where I kind of like that it's mostly a World War II men on a mission movie with like a sprinkle of kind of sort of supernatural sciencey stuff in it um, right. uh, more so than being a full blown kind of genre movie although it does get kind of out there in the last act or yeah, so. Yeah, well, that's but kind it of does what it's take a little bit. To, it yeah. takes some time to get there, and I could see why if you go in thinking this is a full-on Wolfenstein movie where you're going to see Mecha Hitler and stuff like that. Like, um, it's not that. Um, and again, I don't quite think that they're even zombies, but it is like there's this essentially a super serum kind of thing where right. these, the, you, these people are they're able to either reanimate the dead or become much stronger and... Yeah, well, the, the the syringes themselves remind me of the movie Reanimator, where it's like you're you're uh, reanimating uh, living or, or dead tissue exactly. and bringing it back to life, or uh, like a kind of like steroid juice that's kind of turning somebody, driving them mad. But the movie is very. St- it plays it very straight up right. until probably the third act almost, right? Well, like even, it even, hints at something. Even but... when, when shit hits the fan, it still treats it seriously like yeah. it still is like oh this is we have to it's we have to stop this yeah. before it gets out or before they treat it as science and not so much as supernatural right um which i thought was interesting and it does get quite out there and it's very violent and um I, I really loved the the performances and the kind of um, camaraderie between uh, these guys on this mission. And I thought Wyatt Russell, this is he was really channeling his his dad in this, yeah. and it is probably his the the role that he most reminded me of of, of Kurt. And um um and I I loved when he comes him. into his own as well, he does. He doesn't. He's not just doing an imitation of his father. I right. don't think that at all. Um, you can see that, yes, this is Kurt Russell's son, and it is very much Wyatt Russell, but um, you can see kind of things of going, oh, man, he might have a career similar. Because uh, I always saw him as the goofy guy from, like, 22 Jump Street and, like, the stoner right. in, in Everybody Wants Some, and, like... I I guess I never really maybe took him seriously. I, I don't know if I'd seen him in anything. Uh, we well, popped up in a lot of small uh, Black ones. Black like Mirror, I saw him. Cold in, in July was another yeah. one as well. Um, but yeah, like he's he's kind of got that strong silent type role yeah. down pat the way that you know Kurt Russell had with McCready in the Thing or Snake Plissken in the Escape movies, where you know he's a man of few words, but those words are of action, and he wants to get the job done or the mission completed. And he wants to resolve things as quickly as possible. And anything else that kind of gets in the way is on the peripherals, so to speak. And and that even means, you know, other people, morality speaking, like, you know, do, does he help the villagers in, in this little French town that are being... Uh, taken away to this church and experimented on. Yeah. And, and or does he just get the mission done? Yeah, where you have uh, Jovan Adepo, who is much more 
uh, earnest and emotional and an idealist. And like, there's this whole thing where everybody else on his on his platoon kind of has it out for him a little bit because you learn of this story about a mouse and, and he was drafted and he never really wanted to be there. Yeah. He doesn't and he, I mean, he's kill, also African American. Like, so you yeah, have to put that, even though it's true, not, yeah. it's not directly mentioned, but you get that sense yeah, yeah, yeah. that some of the other characters hold that against him as well. Um, but he's also much more um, in tune with helping people and, and being mm-hmm. there to, to help others in need and doesn't want to stoop to the Nazis level exactly. and, and beat people or torture them and, 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 and become like them. Yeah. And so he, it's a good yin and yang, like in terms of like that balance. Yes. And um, he becomes very fond of a woman that they meet in, in, in France and uh, her brother, right? Yeah. Her, her younger brother. Who keeps, has um, this kind of like goofy montage kind yeah. of thing where he pops up where one of the uh, soldiers keeps telling him to shoo away. Yeah. He's kind of creepy. Like, well, yeah. Well, he, yeah. And then he, I didn't he like that actor, f- that actor who was in Carol and, um, the big short, he just, he was too much him. of a stereotype. Like, yeah. But I, I don't know. I'm you know, okay. The, the, in that the, time the Bronx Italian yeah, guy. I, know. I, I get it. But like, I don't, I don't know. like I to kinda... play baseball. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I like to play pool. I kind of, I kind of bought into it. Just the, the overall vibe of the movie. And I, they're all caricatures, but yeah. like, or, I, or archetypes, uh, archetypes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, of, of what you would see in, 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 um, a war movie of, of, uh, of that time and stuff like that too, which I I feel like it's very modern, but it is like even from the opening title card, which I I loved and and I love the score in the movie too. Although we did have some sound issues and some projection issues, like I can't wait to watch this again on 4K or something like that right. with a good sound system, just because I I really loved the score, but I found like the sound mix was off because of the theater we were in, and um, I love the old school title card with the Paramount logo and the uh, copyright stuff and I just um, I, I thought the movie was very stylish in the, in the bad robot way where the it, bad robot just has a way of their films kind of like Netflix all have like a, a look and feel to them to me that I kind of like it's not auteur theory because it's a studio but like um, um, they they just the special effects at that it's just like Lucasfilm or, or something like that where it has a look to it and right. I can tell that it's bad robot and um, and I, I it's mean, almost I, impressionistic in a weird way like there's there's I think I know what you're talking about where there's there, there's one moment in the film where I, I kind of noticed that where um, Adepo's character is like crawling under um, a truck that's transporting bodies and like he's hopping into uh, one of the main kind of layers and it's almost like this weird kind of like grimy cold wet kind of look but it's also very slick yes exactly and i mean it's what it reminds me of some of jj's movies or some of the other bad robot stuff and even the mission um, impossible mission well yeah exactly because you can um anything that they've produced has this kind of look that i i actually dig quite a bit and the special effects are like uh it's a it's a lower budget like it, it still, I think, has a significant budget. Be it coming from Paramount. Yeah, it's Robot. not an indie movie but by any stretch. Of the you can still tell that they're they're going a little bit overboard uh, with the kind of special effects and stuff, and trying. Where to, are you referencing to, the Kurt Russell Goldie uh, Hawn movie? Yes, exactly. Uh, not the title of this movie. Um, just bringing it all back, bringing it all back. But I don't know what I'm trying to talk about is that it doesn't look. It, it it has that bad robot sleek look to it, but you can still tell that the uh, the effects are um, not 
like lifelike or or well they're um, abstract visuals yeah. and and i mean they are it's it's a nice combination of both cgi and practical yeah like there's some stuff in uh one of the labs that adepo kind of stumbles upon and you're like oh this is actually really disturbing and creepy and yeah it's not it's not realistic in any sense but at the same time it still works as kind of like a you know, haunted house horror movie sequence where the character is stumbling upon grotesque imagery that is frightening and and works, and it feels like it's actually incorporated into the environment, and you feel like you're actually experiencing it th- through their their point of view. And for Jules Avery, like this is a big step up direction wise from his last film, which was that little Australian crime flick called Son of a Gun with Ewan McGregor and uh, Alicia Vikander. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what his career will be like after after this, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think where I kind of had some problems was I just kind of found that the movie was overall predictable or playing into the Fair tropes enough. and cliches yeah. of what these movies are usually sort of surrounded by. Like even, you know, Inglorious Bastards, which to me is the top end of like, you agreed, know, agreed. revisionist historical fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I had fun with it. It's a, it, like, it's a good time at the movies and... You'll get exactly what you want out of it, but just expect more of a men on a mission World War Two film with, as you're a saying, sprinkle a sprinkle of uh, supernatural yeah, or science and, or something. And like I think that. that works, but I was I was misled more so maybe by the trailer to think that this was like an adrenaline induced, you know, action thriller. I still thought the movie. action was really good and exciting, but I agree with you that yes, go in knowing that last act will have some of that stuff in it but leading up it's going to be a pretty by the books world war ii men on a mission movie but i don't i don't know i just bought into it and i'm with you where i do agree that it's it's a fun movie i don't know if it's like i'm it's not a masterpiece right. or something like a great movie but like it's satisfying it's exactly, what it does and it's exactly kind of what i needed or wanted and i think it just hit all the right buttons at the right time where right. i was looking for something that wasn't incredibly intellectual and just kind of like shut off your sometimes you want a good shut off your brain movie and just try to take it in and enjoy it and and i know you're you're you, we're basically on the same boat but yeah. uh, i just enjoyed it a bit more than right. you where i think i was more on the higher end of like holy shit that caught me off guard how much i really enjoyed that where you were like i enjoyed that i just thought it would be more of right of this like right? It, to me it's a it's it's a perfectly good B movie, yeah. and that's exactly what it, it is, and that's exactly what it wants to be, and I think yeah. it, it it excels at that. Yeah, and I, again, like I would like to see it again. I, like, I I'll take a popcorn movie like this over Venom any day. Oh, hundred percent. Like, like it's, and like even though that's what Venom's trying to be or whatever, and like, um, what I thought it was going to be an uh, awards contender. Yeah. Um, so, Matthew Libatique, two uh, Oscar nominations for cinema. So I don't know. I just I really liked the look and the sound and. Um, and I just completely bought into it, and I was really, really um, taken by it, and I thought it was a, a, a blast. And if you just want to go, like with Halloween out right now and Overlord coming soon, I think there's like a lot of fun genre movies right. that you can kind of go out and, and think whoever was in charge of this in terms of deciding not to make it a Cloverfield movie. Yeah, um, Cloverlord. Cloverlord, and also I think Paramount. Let's... Paramount this year had two really solid movies that kind of went under the radar. Expectation, why Quiet Place and Overlord, and yeah. to me, it feels almost like 
you know that they they get better when you think about them. I mean, there's things that you can kind of poke holes in with in, with a quiet place. In both movies, really, but. I also think that they do exactly what they set out to, and that's 100%. entertain the audience. And both movies that probably could have been Cloverfield movies, but we're like, these are too good. Yeah, <laughs> just, these are better no, than that. No and offense, not to say that Cloverfield Clo- isn't bad. Like, ten, Cloverfield and Ten Cloverfield yeah. Lane, great. It's just Cloverfield like, paradox painted it. the whole thing. So for you don't everyone. want that on anything. So um, well, we'll get another Cloverfield movie, I'm sure, next year. But um, but both of these movies, uh, A Quiet Place, I'm 100 percent with you. I thought of the same thing. I'm like, shout out to Paramount for letting these live as not going well we can make a couple extra bucks if we probably slapped cloverfield on on either of these yeah but what Um, you'll probably get now with with i mean they announced that clover that cloverfield that a quiet place is getting a sequel right so now you'll probably have movies where it's like oh is this connecting to the quiet place universe or are we gonna is this gonna end up being like the conjuring now where it gets its own universe i'll be curious to see how overlord does as well right Um, i feel like it probably won't do gangbusters but like be a cult movie yeah um but i could see like people young men uh teenage boys yeah going to see this right. film that first weekend and really liking it yeah. too um so yeah i i would say me go check it out um yeah, it's it worth out, it. it's a, it's a it's lot fun. of fun get a uh, a giant bucket of truffle parmesan popcorn and and enjoy yourself so. yeah and inject yourself with some uh cherry coke yeah all right, dude. I think we're going to skip the news this week. Uh, we'll be back with a regular episode um, next week. What do we got in the first week of November that we're going to talk about? First week of November, I'm going to look this up right <laughs> now because I do have it on my phone in terms of what is being released. So we have Bohemian Rhapsody, right. which opens November 2nd. Uh, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Suspiria opens uh, on the week. second as well, which we covered today on, on, on today's show through... Uh, uh, ABMO Films. Um, November six, we have the front runner. Okay, and so that yeah. that leads us into next week. So we'll have um, a review of Bohemian Rhapsody for sure. We'll kind of cover uh, a bunch of the news that we missed over the last couple weeks. We'll we'll cover all your Blu-ray and digital news, and maybe get into our regular trailer thing. Maybe we'll be back to a regular show, or maybe we won't. Who knows? But right. we'll see. Um, so that wraps up uh, the ninth draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. Um, once again, thank you so so much for listening, guys. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you that um, has kind of tuned in and and, um, and and listened at this point. Um, if you could do us a huge favor, please go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify. Uh, leave a comment. Leave a review. Let us know what you think about the show. Tweet at us. Uh, I am at Matt Rohrbeck on Twitter. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm at uh, EM6211 on Twitter. You can find more of my reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene. Thank you so much for listening and have a happy Halloween. Eat those potato chips.